Toward the end of our Lord's earthly life, earthly ministry, St. Luke records a transition in the life of Christ. That he set his face toward Jerusalem. That he was resolute in going to the cross. We see an echo of that today in the prophet Isaiah, the suffering servant, speaking of our blessed Lord, who indeed sets his face like flint. He is firm in his resolve. Indeed, in the midst of his agony in Gethsemane, he pleads that the Father may let this cup pass. But when the answer of silence is in the negative, he embraces it. He embraces the will of the Father, presses forward. Embracing it not in a sense of, of resignation to the cross, but a celebration of it almost. A taking it up and freely choosing it, pushing towards it, rather than simply allowing it to happen. Again, Isaiah gives us an understanding of exactly what Christ had as the orientation of his heart. He gave his back to those who would strike him. He didn't simply allow them to hit him. He gave his back to them. He gave his beard to those who would pluck it. Rather than to shrink down, to pull one's head down, to to save oneself from the pain and the shame, he held his head high that they might pluck his beard. And rather than cover his face, to shield it from the spitting and the buffets, he held it again high, welcoming every single one. My Lord's face was set like flint towards Jerusalem, towards the cross. There's a firmness there. He knows exactly what he is about. He knows why he is here. He knows the purpose of all of these things. He knows that all of this must happen. Again, that the scripture might be fulfilled. He welcomes it because he knows the fruits that will bring the salvation of the world, the redemption of the human race. As our Lord is firm in moving forward, we recognize that although we may have fervor in our hearts, have a great love for Christ within us, easily it is for us to fade away. Much like the apostles who, when our blessed Lord said, you will all scatter like sheep when the shepherd is struck. And Peter stands up first and foremost and says, I will never allow, I will never do this. I will never leave you, even if I have to die. And everyone says likewise. But as soon as the shepherd is struck, all of them flee. Peter, who said he would not even, he would, he would go to death for our blessed Lord, denies him not once, twice, but three times, even before the sun comes up the next morning. Just as our Lord said. To quote our Lord in, in Gethsemane, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. In our weakness, we need Christ. 
There is nothing that we can do of ourselves to so firm up our hearts that we can follow our Lord to Calvary. There's not enough human strength. There's not enough human will. There's not enough human want to, to be able to muster up all of that we can do to follow Christ to Calvary. We can't do it. We need him. We need his grace. And his grace is found here in the church where she continues to pour out through the sacraments the life of God for our souls. The stuff that is able to change our hearts, to strengthen us, to bear much fruit. We must have the grace of Christ if we are to have anything like the firmness of heart that our Lord had, and he invites us to reciprocate to him. As we enter into this Holy Week today, we recognize that this is a unique time of grace. The High Holy Days, Holy Thursday, Good Friday, the Easter Vigil, the Easter Sunday celebrations, all of these being tremendous liturgical celebrations. But Mother Church invites us, before we even enter into those, to ensure that our heart is ready to prepare our hearts. And the means by which this takes place is the freedom from sin, confession. If you haven't been to confession this Lent, it's time. Go to confession. And if you have been to confession this Lent, it doesn't hurt to go again. There's no such thing as too much grace. There's no such thing as too much of the mercy of Christ. We're incredibly in need of it. If you haven't picked up one of the little purple examination of conscience booklets, I would certainly encourage you to do so and to spend some time praying with it. A number of souls here, as well as in other parishes where I've served, have often remarked to me after reading through it and praying with it, I need to go to confession again because there's a lot of things I didn't know that were sins that I have apparently done pretty thoroughly through my life. How common it can be that in our ignorance we are offending our blessed Lord, wounding his heart, completely unaware. But what grace, what a blessing to become aware of it and to repent and to seek to console the heart of Jesus, especially during this holy week. Go to confession, receive of the mercy of Christ, and take part in the sacred liturgies in the days to come. Holy Thursday, the day when we can go and actually spend that time with our blessed Lord as the apostles did. Hopefully for us to stay awake and to keep watch, not simply to be there and to fall asleep as Peter and James and John. To be with our Lord in Gethsemane, where others were not. To walk with him again on Good Friday in the midst of his passion. And to honor the holy cross that is the salvation of the world. To rejoice in the holy light of Easter on Saturday night. The holy light that comes to cast out the darkness of sin and death. And to bring the good news of the resurrection and eternal life. These holy mysteries are the most beautiful and rich liturgies of the entire year. If you can at all avail yourself of them, do so. For the good of your soul, 
for the glory and honor of Christ. So as we begin this Holy Week, we ask our Lord to make our hearts firm, to make them firm, pressing forward closer and closer to him and to the eternal joy that awaits us, setting behind us all the things of the past, all of our sins, our imperfections, and our weakness, looking forward to the joy that awaits, all because of the grace of our Savior.